everybody, and welcome to the Blue versus Green show. This is Miserable Monday because we are recording literally right after the Giants, uh, the Giants game against the Seahawks. The debacle I, that was. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, it was a football game. It was. Um, I am your host and quarterback for this episode. This is Walt, and I am joined by these two guys, Jose and Gabe. Say hello. What up, what up, what up? And, and again, if this is your first time watching us, please remember to hit that subscribe button if you like what you see. And if you're, you've been here before, make sure you smash that notification button so then that way, whenever we have new episodes, you'll know. Um, let's get into it. Uh, there's, there's no, there's no way to, to intro this game. How, how do you feel after, after this game? I feel, I feel tired of defending Daniel Jones. However, I still have to defend Daniel Jones because it's, it's, he didn't even have stat wise. He didn't even have that bad of a game. If you look at the stats, but this is why stats don't always tell the, the truth. They don't tell the entire, you know, game. If you look at the game, it was just an atrocious game all the way around. There's very, very little good to take away from the game. Um, I do have a couple things that I think that uh, were good, but literally just a couple. Okereke and Thibodeau. Thibodeau kind of started showing up, started making some plays. Okereke looked like he he, he did. He was, he was doing his thing, making, making mm-hmm. some good plays. But outside of that, the entire, everything else, you know, was, was non-existent. And uh, it's, I am, I don't understand how we can go now more than a decade and we still have not figured out how to play football from an offensive line standpoint and, yeah that, that's uh, it, disappointing hiring it is exhausting and i am so over it i wanted to i actually wanted to start recording halfway through again i was like you know what why don't we stop let's get get on the the, the recording but and i have to like a true new york new york football fan it seems like I feel like I'm right there with with you guys. I had to see every single snap, no matter how much it hurt. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that even going into what was it, the fourth quarter, I believe. Yeah. Um, it was 14-3, and you guys were driving and right. and really end, end of the third quarter, I believe. End of the Sorry. third quarter. Right there and at the end. You're you're literally driving there to kind of make this a game. You know, at fourteen yeah. three, you were you were driving to score a touchdown and would have made it fourteen ten, but then you had that horrendous interception, uh, yeah. which just flipped the flipped the score. I mean, it was a fourteen point turnaround at that point. You that went was... from fourteen ten to twenty one to three, and basically at that point, that game really truly was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was what's so, what was so damn agonizing. I think about the game, like what it was there, what. What what it really felt long about it was like how close the Giants were for most of the game too, in spite of the fact that Daniel Jones ran like three marathons trying to get away from the defense in that game. Like eleven sacks, right? They were in it, like you said. Yeah, eleven sacks, ten on Daniel Jones, and one on the wide receiver Paris Campbell. So, oh my gosh, like they were sacking people other than the quarterback because of how bad this game was. But they were in that game, like you said, for so much of the game and. I, I really felt like they were going to pull out a drive. Daniel Jones was looking good. He was looking efficient. The offensive line was looking horrendous. But near the end of the third quarter, like I think, I think Gabe, you mentioned it also, like when we were chatting during the game, like 
he was just frustrated and done, I think, at a certain point by the end of the game. Like, and his decision making, decision making, like, just went downhill on a couple of the sacks yeah. that were at the end of the game and a couple of the throws that he made at the end of the game. Like, he started stepping up in the pocket a little bit too early on a, on a couple, I think, and made some some boneheaded throws. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that this is like you know I think it's a symptom like you know it's 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 a symptom of the story of the game. You know, I think I've never played football outside of like touch football out on the block over here in Brooklyn and streets. Never played tackle. Outside of that, you know, I can only imagine what it must feel like to be pressured the entire game, to be sacked so often. Um, You know, I think that a lot of the decision-making mistakes that came, uh, you know, from Danner Jones came also from just the fear of being like sacked and not having time and just like, I need to make a play. I need to make a play. And for the most part, he was efficient, but, you know, it's it's almost like he needs to play perfect just to be even, you know, because the rest of the team is playing so bad. And, yeah. you know, if if you consider the fact that, you know, it, it, every, every quarterback is going to make a couple bad plays. Mahomes, you know, made a couple bad interception throws, you know, and and it's like you're going to have those games. But you just wish that you didn't have those games at the same time that the rest of the team plays so bad. And it's one thing if it's one game, but this is this is the story of the season. And, you know, what can you evaluate when there's nothing to evaluate? The only thing that we can evaluate, there's just no time. You know, if there's more time for DJ to play, if there's more time for the receivers to try to get open, you know, then you can evaluate, are the receivers doing a good job of getting open? Is Daniel Jones uh, making good decisions? Um, is the defense, you know, create, making plays and stuff like that. But there's just nothing to evaluate because there's never any time, even though in this game, the Giants had far and away more time on the field, more play time than, than, than the Hawks. And I just right. don't – it's just the weirdest thing to look at the stat numbers and then see the result. I, I think we were we were joking before that the reason why they were on the field so much is because Daniel needed time to get up from all those sacks, right? <laughs> Um, marathon, he ran marathon. Yeah, but but listen, I, you know, I, I I think this this goes a little bit further. I mean, coaching was horrendous in this game. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I think there's there's no way about it. The Michael Kafka didn't work. Um, in terms of in terms of uh, Wink Martindale, you know, he was talking about missed tackles, and he was like, "Oh, you can chart them next time because it's not going to happen." There was missed tackles all over this worse. game. It's worse. It, 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 this was horrendous. How it, how many missed game tackles? It's getting there were. worse. How on earth? Like like I was saying, how? What are you doing during the practice? How if you? It's like they play the game and then they forget about it. They must be going to practice and not looking at any film study, not trying to correct any mistakes. Um, yeah, but and, some of that stuff just, is they're fundamental. Just like, hey, like, let's go play a game next week and see what happens. Yeah, but like I said, some of that stuff is fundamental. I yeah, mean, I agree. Rap tackles, you, you—that's not something that you need to be coached at this level at this point. At you the know, NFL that's, level, true. Yeah. that's something that you need to know already. And, and the fact that—the fact that these, you know, that that team was just running right through these tackles, you know, that's that's something that that is that is concerning for the Giants, you know. Um, the, the other thing that I, that I, I kind of mentioned before to Jose, before you got online was, I think there is, there is really 
you're you're really starting to see the the lack of a wide receiver run one on this team, and and the fact that there's not that star that can elevate, you know, um, the passing game right here. And we thought that it was going to be uh, Darren Waller. Darren Waller was targeted one time through three quarters. I mean, how in the world does that? He is clearly your best weapon on offense, you know, if Saquon Barkley is not there. One target through three quarters. I need I, I, I almost take a look. I need to almost go back and take a look. It's hard to digest the game and see like what Waller was doing, but I think that they were using Waller more to try to block. That's not what you brought him for. No, no, I understand that, but like, I I know that they were using him to block because the O-line is playing so bad. Um, then, then you know what cascading effect, right? So mm-hmm. you try to get him to block so that you can try to, you know, give it to Campbell or Slayton or see what happens, but then you don't have the rest of the O-line's not doing any work either. So then, so then Daniel Jones is having to get rid of the ball as soon as possible. And he just doesn't have like the right targets. Receivers so, don't have enough time to get open. Uh, Daniel Jones mm-hmm. doesn't have enough time to figure out who he wants to throw it to, or if there is anybody to throw it to most of the time, he's having to like make the plays himself running and, and and picking up the first downs um and it just it shouldn't be that way you know there should be design quarterback runs um yeah you know to take advantage of of uh of 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 you can't run jones more than he run today you know but it's it's so so bad and i, but, I don't know what the answer is other than i i really do have put it all I, don't, I can't put it all on the coaches because the players are the ones playing, right? You're getting paid to make the plays. You have to make plays. But what, like, like if you point to, if you take a look at how Dable, you know, was showing his frustration, throwing the, the surface tablet to, you know, to the side of Daniel Jones after showing him something or whatever, maybe something that he saw, like, you missed this, you messed it up here. Okay, but where's Dable's, like, I would like to see that kind of reaction to your offensive line. I would like to see that kind of reaction to your defensive coordinator. I would like to see that reaction to your offensive coordinator. I would like to see some of that towards the rest of the team. Is Dable kind of holding the rest of the team accountable? And if he's not, then what is he doing as a head coach? Yeah, and you know what? I, I think the, the thing that he was showing um, Jones, who's actually speaking on the podium right now, um, the thing that he was showing Jones was the fact that on that play with that 97-yard interception return, Waller was wide open in the back of the end zone. And I think that's what he was trying to show him because when Paris Campbell came underneath, he brought the safety with him. And you saw kind of, you know, Darren Waller getting behind getting behind the coverage. He was wide open. And I think that's the thing that kind of frustrated um, right. Dave there. But you know what? To his, to he's Daniel Jones was pressured the entire night, and so he probably saw that not a good read for him, to be quite honest. Let's put it that way, you know. But you can't really fault him for that because he's been under pressure the entire night, you know what I'm saying? And he probably saw that he probably didn't see Waller. Who knows? I I don't know what was in Daniel Jones' mind, but you can't really, you can't really scream on him on that, you know, because. Guys misreads. That's just the way it goes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's just it, it just sucks because it's the only chance that they had. It's the only time that they were in the red zone, yeah. um, and they missed it. And and yeah, I could see Davo being frustrated and stuff like that. Um, but you know, stepping to the shoes of Daniel Jones and dealing with the mental stack of an entire game dealing with pressure 
and he's just in his mind. I'm sure he's just like just just get it in the hands of, of, of exactly. Of, he's going to like his first look, and he's like, I just need it because because. And we'll talk about that over there too. But going back to kind of like you know that whole feeling of like I feel like oh by this point I'm gonna be getting pressure. Let me just get rid of the ball. It's probably what's subconsciously going in to Daniel Jones's head is that you know he just isn't expecting to have any time to throw it, and he didn't have time. He was facing pressure on that play too. You know the the the, the offensive line play. once again you yeah. know broke down and he didn't really have the time to throw it or the time to read the field and he missed Waller and and, and it's that. Um, but it just. It's it's a cascading effect of all the issues that the Giants have. A bunch of issues that were there last season that seem to be worse, not better this season. So, yeah. actually, on that particular play, he did have a little bit of time there, yeah. you know, um, because actually, funny we're, we're talking about it. They're actually replaying it on on the the screen right now. Like like um, like I said, like he, he but, like, but yeah, he had was pressure coming from the pressure. Yeah, there um, was pressure yeah, coming toward him, but. This was one of the cleaner pockets, if you want to say, right? You know, based yeah. based on all the shit show that he had to deal yeah. with the entire yeah. game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I think he so. had scrambled just a little bit to his left on that play, and then there were there were a couple of giants over there, so it wasn't the the worst read. There were two giants, and then um, oh geez, what's that? What's that player's name on the Seahawks that was just feasting tonight? Was it Washington or Wither? He had such the a rookie. game. And that's the other thing, too. How is it we have a game like this against, like, a team that's 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 full of rookies and 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 backups you know the, the the they were talking on the on the uh on on the broadcast about how like the the Seahawks are showing their depth because they're using the second and third stringers um and they're all making plays like how do you take 11 sacks 11 sacks you know with 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 backups and rookies how does that happen well we we did mention right in in our in our talks before we did mention that depth was going to be a problem for for the giants you know going into the season um and it's clear now that you know you lost two other guys today you lost i believe it was bellinger and somebody else i can't remember who it was um but injuries are starting to become a problem for the giants also and you know especially on that line that line oh um jm jms JMS, yeah yeah jms was out Listen, he he was probably your best player on the line outside of Andrew Thomas. Now you take him out. There's there's where depth is going to be a problem for the Giants, you know. Yeah. So, um, listen, that I, you you look at you look at this team and and they've been outscored seventy seven to nine in the first half this season. Doesn't it? I mean, nine at this point. No, I, I, I think it was I think it was um sixty three, and then they added the extra touchdown or whatever. So there's, there's one other there's one other area that makes this makes the Giants look like such a a not even a rookie team, not even a college team, like a like like a high school team, and it's immaturity. You know, aside from like all like the the terrible performances that we saw tonight, the the, the really really boneheaded you know, penalties that we dealt with in this game, all of that kills us. You know, if you, you can't, you can't go in there and like show your frustration the way they, they did and have some of these penalties. And I forgot who I saw, who was it that got, it was late in the game, got a, um, it was a, uh, a, a, a personal foul, I think after the play 
who then on the sideline is joking and laughing and smiling, almost like, yeah, I did that. And it's like, man, what are you doing here, man? Like, they like, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna show that kind of immaturity, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be playing professional football. Yeah, you know, and uh, and and none of that helps. So this, again, and and this to me goes to Dable. Like, what are you doing to rein in these players? Yeah, this was this was a big game for uh, the Giants this week. Um, it was imperative for them to get this win because now you've lost to three of your potential play three potential playoff teams in your conference. You've already lost to Dallas. You lost to San Francisco. You lost to Seattle. So now these are these are teams that you're going to be looking from the bottom up. Never mind the fact that you're one and three and you've got Miami and Buffalo coming in the next and two And the commanders weeks, who are looking know? freaking awesome. Well, you know, it, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy sledding for the for the the Giants going forward. Um, By the time that we face you guys, we're probably going to be one and six. Oof, that that would be terrible. Might be two and five. Because I mean, who are we going to be? The Commanders are our only shot, but. I mean, I hope that by the time that we face the Commanders, we have Andrew Thomas, JMS, and Saquon back. Maybe we'll have, like, you know, a decent, you know, I can't even say. See, that's the thing. Saying the word a decent football team on the field sounds weird based on the performances that we've seen so far. I don't know that having JMS or Saquon back or Andrew Thomas back is going to automatically fix all our, all our woes. Yeah. You I know, mean, again, going to the defense, that tackling looks atrocious. And yes, you know, it's something that you shouldn't have to practice. You shouldn't have to be working on that. But if you're a defensive coordinator and if you're the head coach table and you're seeing that this is an issue now in week four, it's still an issue. You go back and you've got to fix that. You can't just you can't just look at that as a problem and be like, all right, we'll do better. Next week fix that. Now, I, I think. I don't know, Jose, with tough love, with like, I'm you know, gonna, the season's lost anyway. I'm going to throw it to Jose, but but truthfully, uh, and Jose, maybe you can you can answer this question. Well, well, I mean, How the do thing you fix is, this? Because you can't. You can't I, I don't, fix this. It's, I think it's more of, of a talent issue. You know, I, yes, coaching is going to be a factor in here, but, you know, I, I think we're, we're starting to see that that wide receiving group with all the enthusiasm that everybody had for the, for that group is just not good enough. I mean, you you're having they they're just not getting open and I I think one of the things that that they showed and I'm going to throw it to you right after this Jose. One of the things that they showed was which was very eye-opening is that second interception where you clearly saw that DJ wanted to throw the ball but he couldn't one, because there was a defender coming right down the, the throwing lane that he was going to throw it. But then two, Paris Campbell was not open yet. And they're struggling to get those guys open. So by the time that he threw it, he naturally threw it over his head, which caused the interception. You can clearly see it, especially from the back view, that he was ready to throw it at a point. But those two things were true at that moment, and he couldn't. And he had to hold it longer and that that precipitated him overthrowing Paris Campbell. So, I mean, Jose, h- how do we fix this? I mean, I was going to say, like, you really can't fix this unless you bench every player that missed the tackle egregiously tonight, and that was almost the entire Jets defense. That's not something you Giants, can teach. Giants defense. Or Giants defense, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off about both teams, and the Jets defense <laughs> has its own issues that, that we'll talk about later. Not not so not nearly as egregious, but 
I mean, tackling is not something that is is teachable at this point. I mean, you played, you know, flag football, touch football. I played tackle football. I had to block Walter a couple of times because nobody else could in like a couple of uh, pickup games that we played. And I was always the guy like that was tackling the biggest people. When I was in high school, I was about 150 pounds soaking wet. And I was tackling the guy that was about 250 pounds. Nobody else could. And he dragged me for about a yard before I brought him down. But you know how I did that? By wrapping people up. You, you shoot from the hip or you shoot your guns. Like I think that's like the famous, the, one, of the, one of the famous things that they say about tackling. You can't tackle that poorly where they were just doing these push tackles kind of for half the damn game. They were keeping the running back standing up on a couple of plays where he was trying to get away by pushing the running back with their hands, almost like they were trying to block, I guess, rather than tackle. Um, if you don't wrap the guy, like, I don't give a crap how hard you hit him. Like, he might be able to stumble around and get up. And, the, the, you know, they were doing that all game. The Seahawks were doing that all game to the Giants. And that was kind of something that you can't fix, I think. Again, yeah, you bench everybody that missed the tackle. It's going to be tough for the Giants going forward. It, it really is, you know. And um, I just it, – they they have to find a way to not only solidify that offensive line, they have to find a way to unlock both Jalen Hyatt and Darren Waller because those are probably your two best receiving options on that team. They got no play today. And, and again, it could be it could be a fact that, you know what – DJ is running for his life, but you, you know, you got to find a way to get the ball to your best players, you know, whether they're short passes, which DJ kind of lived on. I think he only had two passes that went further than 10 yards today. I, something has to change for this team. I think, yeah, it was only two passes. Uh, the second one came in the fourth quarter, uh, which is insane. You can't play um, like that. Yeah, but you know they can't. You know they can't have free. They can't. They can't have a. You know receivers don't have enough time to get free and get open if there just isn't any time for, for for Daniel Jones to get rid of the ball. Yeah, you but, know, but like, again, again, this I think all comes down to the offensive line, and I understand that the offensive line is gonna collapse. Every single offensive line is gonna collapse here and there. You know you can't expect every offensive line to be a hundred percent throughout every single game, but. Even fifty percent of the time will give the receivers, give Waller and Hyatt and others a chance to open up, a chance to create the threats that'll make the defense have to think about them. But if the, if the defense of the secondary doesn't even have to think about these receivers getting open because they're the the, the the front line is doing such a good job, you know, breaking through and and sacking and pressuring and forcing bad decisions, you know, when when does the defense get to 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 even see any of these routes from Hyatt? And, and Waller to kind of start kind of playing the guessing game, start playing the chess game between defensive and offensive coordinators on opposing teams. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the giant, the, to the jet game, I, I think Jose has a, a, a one quick point to make, right? Yeah, we're, we're both a little confused about what the hell happened in these last two games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of nights. Um, my, my last, I guess my question and also my point to the two of you is like, as far as the blocking goes, the the point, first off, is that there were a couple of times where I saw clearly missed adjustments. And I feel like, you know, obviously, a lot of that is the responsibility of the quarterback. Maybe where they're failing Daniel Jones as, as coaches 
is coaching him up on the adjustments that he needs to be making on the offensive line because there were a couple of instances where you saw the the whoever was the tight end on a particular play lined up against the the defense and just running a route when somebody was clearly lined up like showing blitz like you got to make an adjustment there you have to do something you have to tell the offensive lineman to like make an adjustment or you have to tell the tight end to maybe like bump and like flash off in an out route or something like that to to give you somewhere to communication. throw on the blitz it's communication so something is is going wrong there as well i think it's not just on the offensive line the five guys that are blocking there it's like whoever is is really getting daniel jones like zoned in on the, that communication and whoever's creating that communication between him and the line somewhere there there's also a breakdown i think that needs to be addressed yeah and i guess my well, question is how you feel about that mostly Walter more so because you know a little bit more about this, but also Gabe. Uh, the, 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 there has to be clear communication, and you know what? Part of that does fall on the quarterback because the quarterback is the guy that's that's looking over the field, and he's he's shouting out assignments, you know, and and changing plays at the line. So part of that does fall on DJ. Part of it, part of it does fall on the center. The fact that JMS wasn't there, you know, your normal center, you know that that creates communication issues because you know what the being a part of the line you have to have familiarity and and the guy how the guy next to you plays you know and if you it's not a thing where you can just drop a guy in there and you know expect that the team is going to work flawlessly and the fact that unfortunately the giants have been rotating these offensive line in and out this year because of either injury or you know not playing well and things of that nature is not helping the case. Now, DJ also has to be able to go up to the line and say, you know what, I recognize that there's a blitz coming from the right side or from the A-gap, and you've got to adjust accordingly. Now, whether he's doing that or not, I, I, I honestly, I haven't looked at it that deep, but Clearly, there's got to be b better communication in picking up those blitz packages when when they're coming through, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I agree that definitely has to be better communication. Um, I I do think that I do think that Daniel Jones generally does do a decent job of trying to communicate what he sees out there to the line. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also a matter of the line being able to pick it up. Like you know, it's a going in one ear and out the other. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I certainly see. You know, Daniel Jones, you know, pointing and yelling like here and yeah. there and that stuff. And there's just like nothing's happening. Um, but then again, like there's there's the mental stack, you know, part of it, too, where, you know, I think that um, I think that this is a game where I, I Daniel Jones was kind of going through the motions. But I feel honestly, I feel like he was checked out after sack number six or seven. Yeah. You know, I think uh, after a certain amount of time, you it's know, of abuse, it's, it's it's hard to ask your quarterback or anybody in any position to just like, hey, just suck it up, forget about it, and 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 go out there and play like an all star. You know, I don't I don't know, you know, let me ask you guys, if what quarterback looking at the game exactly how it was played today, you know, by the offensive line and, and everything, how many quarterbacks do you think that could have, you know, played a a, a, a you know, played a game? Who who could have won the game today? Well, 
about maybe this one. Is, this is not. I think this only is not Mahomes. Ideal. I feel like Mahomes is probably the only one that he could probably like you know well, run around really. and get free enough to to make a play. But, but, I, but I take a look at the situation in Houston with C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, that is not a very good team, and he's still getting it done. So th- there are ways you can scheme this up. You know, um, I- I'm not saying it's ideal. I'm not saying that every quarterback can do it, but it can be done. And and I think that's the frustrating part is because, you know what? Yes, there are issues here, but you can scheme up ways to kind of free, whether it you go into, you know, 13 personnel or whatever and bring in two tight ends, one running back. You know, um, there there are ways you can scheme this up to give your quarterback time, you know, designed rollouts, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, it, it's difficult, but it can be done, you know. And that goes again to so, the coaching, I think. Yeah. So, huge wrong plays with for DJ so Sorry. not to add add salt to the wound, but um, the next opponent for the Giants is the Dolphins, and they're going to be playing in Miami. And the only reason why I bring this up, and you know, this is an eye opening statistic here: the Dolphins at this point of the season are averaging 520 total yards a game. That's what the Giants have coming up for them next. So um, to be fair, that, that that's a padded record from uh, that one seventy burger game. Seven hundred. No, they, 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 they were. I know. I know. They were. They were. They were. I know. Were putting it down. Can I, can I throw the Giants Except a little bit that. of a bone here? No, no, no. Hey, you know they don't deserve a bone. You're right. They don't deserve it. This this is defense is not made for the Giants to shock the world, right? Dolphins defense is not very good. Exactly. So, they, yeah, but they I also can think do that, something against that defense. Hopefully, they won't be under assault. I don't know. I don't okay. know. To be honest with you, like if you consider, like you know, I actually expected the Dolphins to not play that well this past weekend, because when you have a game as as big as they had, you know, with the the the, the seventy point game against the uh, Broncos the previous week, that's like you know, it's like the Super Bowl hangover, right? When the Super Bowl team comes in the next year. They're they're hung over on the fact that they've won and they and and to them like to the Dolphins this is almost like you know their big you know Super Bowl performance almost you know with the amount of like hoopla that that was surrounding their performance and all that so I expected them to maybe come in a little bit kind of feeling themselves maybe being a little bit lazy early on and then they ended up losing the game now they're gonna come in and and it, it, well we're gonna go over there and for them it's like all right well we need a bounce back game and this is the team to bounce back. You know, so the Dolphins also did play a better team last week because uh, two of the three opponents that they had prior to that was the Broncos and was the Patriots. And those two teams are shit shows of the NFL. So, you know, you you can pad your stats against those teams also. Anyway, let's let's move on to the Jets. Yeah, yeah, they they did play the Chargers uh, the first week of the season. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's move on to the Jets, because I I think um, the Jets. They had a Super Bowl game of their own game last night. Was like. a how can I say this? It was Super a Bowl surprising game. game, but not completely unexpected. Yeah, at, at least on one side of the ball, you know. Um, well, I, that's, I, I, I think I think like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean by that? Because that's it, like yeah. the game was so unexpected. Clarify. Well, no, I I fully expected that <laughs> the defense was going to show up. You know, I, I, I thought the defense was going to play well. You know, um, they played 40% of their, their game in man coverage, which is where the Jets excel. 
And to be quite honest, Mahomes is a great quarterback, but their wide receivers are, are nothing to write home about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of new so I, I felt no, no, that, no. yeah, I felt that the defense was going to play well. The surprise came from Zach Wilson. And I'm, I'm going to start this, this, this thing off because I, there's a couple of things that I want to, I want to put out there for you guys. And I want you guys to react to that. Um, first of all, I have to give kudos to Zach Wilson because that was probably the worst week that an NFL player could endure. You know, I mean, literally you had not only the fan base killing you, you had the most, the, the legendary Joe Namath throwing you under the bus. You had not only the local media, but the national media calling for your head. I, I, I got I gotta say a lot of people would just crawl up into a ball and just fade away into the into the uh the limelight. And I gotta give it to Zach. I mean, you know, he he really kinda shut the noise down and played the game of his life. You know. You know, you know it's funny, there's uh there's one person out of all like the people in the media, because literally everyone in the media was telling them, including us, you know, we yes, are technically we part were. of the media. I uh, I personally was like, you know, I think like one quarter in, I was like, he's not him, you know, and then he showed out in the next three um, and, 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 you know, he changed my mind. But one of the very, 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 very few media personnel that was giving him uh, uh, some some credit before this game, before this game, Tiki Barber. Oh, really? Walt's favorite. Well, <laughs> there was another guy also, Dan Orlovsky, that was that was really right. singing the praises of, of Zach Wilson. But yeah, yeah. Um, I did not know that Tiki Barber – and I listened to Tiki Barber today. Um, and, you know, Tiki Barber was speaking about the comments that Rodney Harrison made after the game, which mm. really was, yeah. was infuriating yeah. and uncalled for. But what do you expect? Rodney Harrison is a patriot, right? So Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Kind of, kind of douchey, douchey reporting there by um, Rodney Harrison. Yeah. And, and kind Tiki, of, yeah. He's Tiki did stand up for his him. own peers. Tiki did stand up for him, so you know, yeah. kudos to that for that. Um, but yeah, Zach Wilson had the worst week of his life, and he responded with his best game. So you know, kudos to that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is that defense, and that defense has to find a way to start these games better because they put Zach into a 17 to zero again, another credit to Zach because 17 zero, any other team would kind of just say, Oh, well on to the next. Right. And that team fought back. Zach fought back. Um, he, he was throwing dots all day, but that defense really, you know, to give up 200 yards rushing for the game, um, and we're going to talk about some of the referee calls, but that the last seven minutes of the game, you know, you can say all you want about the referee calls, but that defense couldn't stop the Chiefs and get them off the field. Also, yeah, yeah. So to, to, echo, to echo Tiki real quick, and and I definitely want to hear Jose's thoughts. But to echo Tiki, you know, referees don't decide games; they definitely contribute contribute to the, to to some decisions, but they don't they aren't the decision makers. You know, that's you got four quarters to play, so 
Yeah, but it's kind of difficult when those those kind of plays come with two minutes left in the game. Yeah, you don't have much yeah. time to recover off of that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, um, Jose, what do you what do you think about the game? So I generally don't like to do this in in everyday life because it's impolite to do so. But I am going to do this on this show and say I told you so because last year I was the first person to give up on Zach Wilson when we needed to, and you were defending him last year if you remember. Yes. For, I was uh, for a little bit too long. Last year he needed to be benched earlier because last I, I, year was his second season, and it, it just wasn't coming together for the kid. That's when you bench him, you coach him, and you bring him back in. It's early on in his career. You, you're not going to lose that much of his his kind of. I will his, admit his that I am a Zach Truther, so I, I'll I'll put that out there. But this year, this year, I said don't give up on the kid yet for a lot of reasons, for a variety of reasons. Being, like I said, the coaching a little bit, the, the general manager not going out there and getting a clear somebody else when Aaron Rodgers went down. Um, and really because, yeah, this was like kind of the end of the, the end of the road for Zach Wilson. There was, there was really no other path when you didn't sign anybody else, when you signed Trevor Simeon. There was no other path for him other than like getting through this game or at least getting through part of this game, seeing if he could be competent in part of this game and if he couldn't, then you had a reason to put the boil in. And then next week, you give him his last chance. So that's kind of it, right? And next week could be one of his last chances, too. We'll see. You know, if he does really badly against the Broncos. Yeah. He's, he's on a short leash. Yeah. Right. Definitely. But, but and with the defense, at least that might, this, this part is shorter. But so far this season, they've been playing to a championship level for about three and a half quarters of every game or three quarters of every game and playing at a very average level for a part of it. And that was the first quarter last night when the Chiefs just got out to that crazy 17-0 lead and everybody turned off the game because there was nothing to see but fucking Taylor Swift. And no, no NFL fan cares. 27 million people did. 27 million people did. I get, well, yeah, you know what? No NFL fan cares. Right, exactly. No NFL yeah, exactly. fan cares. So. But... Yeah, at that point, the defense just wasn't doing well early in the game, and they were getting crushed by the running game. They were getting crushed by bootlegs, getting crushed by all kinds of plays early on. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to we got to where we got for the rest of the game, basically. And we'll talk it's, about that. Right? You know, it, it, it's funny because um, right after the game, I was – you know, I was in shock. I was in shock through the game. I was in shock after the second quarter. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was honestly still waiting. I was waiting for for Zach to mess it all up. up. And and you know, he we did. can get to the, uh, the 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 final quarter in a bit. But um, you know, for for all intents and purposes, yes, he had the best game of his life. Um, and and you know, against one of the best quarterbacks in the game, if not the best quarterback in the game right now. He, Mahomes, he outperformed Mahomes in a way that no other quarterback in Mahomes' entire career, college games included, has mm -hmm. ever been outperformed. But that being said, you know, now that, like, I've had, like, a whole day to kind of process, kind of come down from, from, from the high of the game and all that stuff, looking back at some of the mistakes that did end up costing the game, um, on, you know, on the Jets side and the officiating side, um, you know, one thing still holds true that you can't evaluate a quarterback off of one game, just like, you know, it, it, it 
and and for those and for that reason, um, I, I I'm still not sold on Zach, and I don't think anybody should be sold on Zach. I no, think you know what all. you need. He needs to put. He needs to put this kind of performance on. He needs to you know, stack these, these Yeah, he needs these to stack games, on, you know, just every three of, weeks. Just to kind of have a little bit more faith in him, you know. But if he can't play like this on a regular basis and, you know, or perform like this, and on top of that, to be honest, and, and you guys might fight me on this because, you know, you guys have already heard my comments through our text messages and stuff like this. You know, I would like to see him perform like this against a quarterback and a team that's not making as many errors and and mistakes as uh the as as Mahomes and the uh, the Chiefs did in this game. If he can play like this, um and and clean some things up, then it's like okay, now you do have something special. But to be honest and to be fair, uh, I, I said it already too before in our, in our chats that maybe this is the first time that we get a chance to see what exactly Salah sees in Zach and why he keeps defending him so much. And and to be fair, to be honest, you know, good for Salah, good for Zach, you know, to 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 kind of show everybody up. Because he, last week we weren't just killing Zach, Zach. We were killing Salah for his comments. We were killing Salah for how he was defending Zach so much. And and if Zach didn't play like this, you know, then then those words would even ring even truer. But you know, I, I, feel like, I feel like Zach too, went out there and, feel like. and when everybody else was hating on Zach and Salah wasn't, you know, Zach was like, you know what, coach, I got your back. And that's yeah, what I here's, that's what here's, I the, here's the thing that's very frustrating about that that comment that you just said where, mm-hmm. you know what, um, Salah saw something in, in Zach. Um, like I said, th- this past week, I, I, I had a chance to review his film in college mm-hmm. and Everything that he did in that game was similar to the stuff that he did in college. Yep. They had a blueprint on how to play Zach. And why did it take this long for that to happen? Because you look at Zach. Zach is a guy that has really, really elite level arm talent. You know, the, the, right. his arm is not the issue. The kid has mobility. He the, the kid can run. He has the ability to escape the pocket. Why weren't you doing those type of things before? You know, and and th- that's the, that's the thing that that drives me nuts because, and I've been I've been screaming about this for the last couple of weeks. You guys know this, right? You got to design a game plan around Zach and his his strengths, which is rolling out to the right. You know what I'm saying? Using his his legs to move that pocket, hit those short throws, take those deep shots. Some of those some of those throws that he had were elite throws the one to wilson where he just he just missed it that was an incredible throw now yes he threw it he threw it over by maybe six inches that was a perfect throw though it, so it, it, that's it, true that's the thing that drives me nuts about this this team and and this coaching staff and last year's coaching staff especially because you have tape of what zach is but yet you didn't plot a game plan around that. Well, well, well that's true. And, 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 and like what I would say in counter to that is, you know, seeing what he did in college against college players is completely different from doing that, doing that at the NFL level. And I agree with I that think, 100%. Right, and what, yeah. when I say, 
you know, what Salah sees. I'm talking about what he sees on the practice field because they, he, they, he preaches that we see him do it in practice. The teammates, they see, they see him play like this in practice and he's just not putting it together on the field. Um, well, I've, I've so, so I think I've heard different about that also. Huh? I've kind of heard different about that also because uh, a lot of these practices we're not privy to, but the, yeah. the media and the, the media, reporters yeah. are. Yeah. And a lot of them say this is the best that they have ever seen Zach play. Like right. there is right. nothing in practice that suggests that this is how Zach could be because Zach has had some rough practices, but you know, Robert Sala is never going to say that. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I mean, so. again, and then and then to, to leave the point, you know, from my end, again, there is still like kind of, you know, I call this actually almost kind of like Nathaniel Hackett's preseason with Zach, right? You know, because he's had to use these first three yes. games to still figure out how to unlock Zach. And I think that they just did on Sunday. So that's, I think that that's really the reason. Now, it remains to be seen if they utilize him the same way in the coming games. Hey, this you is, can't this say is that I, you've unlocked them if you don't do the same stuff. The same this is what I'm going to tell Hackett. Everything. This is what I would say, Hackett. Hackett, you've got a blueprint now. Okay? Yeah, yeah. You've got a roadmap on what how to do this. Place? Get it done next week. Because you know what? If they go back to run, run, pass next week, then you know what? I, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. Because you know what? You've got, you've got Zach on tape on what you need to do with him. Get it done next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> here, here's the thing about the tape that you had on Zach Wilson and, and all of the information that was presented. Well, in college at BYU, Zach Wilson had had a lot of time. His, his offensive line gave him about, I think they said something about three and a half seconds per play. So that was a big difference with what Zach Wilson saw in college. But in terms of the throws he was making, he still knows how to throw a dart. He still knows how to, how to, uh, to, to the sideline on an on a out route. He still knows how to pick apart man coverage. He still knows how to, how to run a good bootleg. These are all things that he did well in college, really well in college. These are the things that he excelled at. These are the reasons mm -hmm. why he was a number two pick. So, like, for me, this was the, like, yeah, this is a validation for, for Zackett. I'm going to call him Nathaniel Zackett. Um, because Zackett, I like that. He, he saw that. He must, have, he must have finally looked at the tape on Zach Wilson because I did a few weeks ago. Seriously. He must have looked at it and said, like, well, fuck, why don't we try this instead of whatever we were going to do with Aaron Rodgers, which Aaron would have been great at probably. We might be 3-1 and one at this point. But it's not it's Zach Wilson. And he excelled at those things, and we should have really been, been working on those a long so, time ago. So let, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Let's talk about that fourth quarter. Because that fourth mm -hmm. quarter was probably one of the most frustrating fourth quarters that I I can recall in a long time, and um, I I just why don't you guys start out with that because we we wow. we all know what we're talking about. There's two plays that that stand out. That was the third and twenty two scramble by Patrick Mahomes, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and then there was that. DPI on Sauce Gardner with I think about what what was it like two and a half minutes left in the game, yeah, all on the same drive because this drive started with seven minutes left. Yeah, it's so, unbelievable that the Chiefs ended up keeping the entire the ball for the rest of the game. It, 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 it's half a quarter. crazy. It's yeah. insane. 
I mean, so in, in what the do end, you guys think about the, those those particular calls? Because that that's been the talk of the town for the entire day today. Well, I mean, at the end of the game, it was unfortunate that he played such a great game, and it kind of ended on Zach Wilson turnover for the Jets' offense. Um, Gabe, I appreciate that you were trying to give him a little bit of of, of love last night and say like that really wasn't on him that that yeah, botched snap, was. but it really was because yeah, well, really I was watching the game, you know, the Giants like, game earlier. Fact, you know, like watching it after the fact, I thought that it wasn't the best snap in the world, but it is on Zach to be paying attention to the ball and not to the uh, and he said it not not not, not, not to the defender in the field yet. Like, yeah, he yeah. said exactly what happened in the post game. He was like, I took my eyes off of it and, and tried to take a quick peek at the defender, which is one of the weaknesses that he was, was revealed about Zach in college. Um, and, and he, he failed at on that last play, unfortunately. And I, like I said, like I was about to say, like I saw Daniel Jones, like in the game t- earlier today, like catch a snap that was like almost at his shoestring. So like I hit the ground, it damn, it probably did hit the ground. Right? Well, yeah, it did. It did hit the ground. I mean, that, there might have been two different ones. That was such a rough game that, like, I def- there was probably a bunch of botched snaps. But, I mean, it's unfortunate that the offense got its last chance there because of the the holding call on the or or what were the, what were the calls? Right, we had the holding call that that kind of ended the game. We had the non-holding call on the Chiefs. Uh, we had a, a bevy of like kind of crazy calls, and the Jets might have gotten a couple of calls earlier in the game to to be fully honest that but horse collar the horse collar tackle wasn't a horse collar tackle it probably yeah. was a face mask okay and i th- that's the point that a lot of people have ma- been making which i understand and that turned the game but like we were talking about this earlier i think walt you mentioned it a lot and or maybe gabe you mentioned it talking about how in basketball you talk about like you don't want to let the refs decide the game it might have been mentioned on television actually i know i heard this somewhere earlier today Oh, no, that's the you don't want the rest of the game. Gareth Wilson, oh, Wilson himself was making the comparison that this is like yeah. this is like like so shooting up the ball and not calling foul until yeah. after you miss. You want to see if you make the ball, make the shot, the and then it's like you miss like. it, so then you're like, oh, foul. You yeah. can't do that. You you yeah. call the foul when the, when the foul happens. Yeah, yeah, that, that was the most egregious thing, though, right? Like, because if there was a holding call, which it probably wasn't, it was really borderline. There was a lot of contact throughout that game, and. Like Sauce said, he was kind of turning and he tried to pull his hand off the defender rather than hold him. You saw him make the effort to to avoid the holding call there because right. I think he saw that the play wasn't going to turn out very well. And then the ref like was holding the flag, holding the flag, like pump fake the flag, and then waited for for uh, Michael Carter to grab the interception on the Jets' defense and then toss the flag in there, like almost as if to say, like, hold on, this is not what the outcome was supposed to be of this game. I, you can't anger the I don't Swifties. Know. You can't anger the Swifties. To 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 be fair, I didn't see that. If he was holding the flag up already beforehand, no, no, then he 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 double clutched it out out of his pocket. Yeah, he wasn't so holding can, it up. That's yeah, that's, he, that's he, false. He, went to right. go grab I mean, it. he could make the argument that like he already he had the intention of 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 pulling his hand was on the the, the, the flag before the interception was made. And that he just decided to throw it after the interception. So you could make that argument. That's not um, a great thing to do. But that's but not a good decision look. right there. That that to me it, it is indecision. It is indecision. Um, but the, but going back to, to to sauce, you know, he was saying like, you know, they didn't target him at all because of the coverage and whatnot, but then none of the officials, you know, called that same kind of, you know, 
that that same kind of style of defending the entire game. That that the entire game was being played like that. Sauce was defending that same way. He's like, why did they call it now? And they didn't call it at all right. throughout the entire game. I, I think you know, that's so, the maddening part. It's yeah, the inconsistency, right? Yeah, right. So like, if if you're gonna call that, call that when you first see it. Not not later when you think it counts or when it doesn't count or whatever it is. Yeah. Call it on Jermaine or call it on the player holding Jermaine Johnson for 15 seconds when when Mahomes scrambled for that first down, which wasn't a great play by the Jets, but at the same time, where was Quinn and Williams going? I think Walter, you mentioned it during the game. He tried to spin around to the other side instead of covering yeah. that gap, and Mahomes it, just it, it was, he flew right through it as soon as he saw that. To, the to defender his... was being held. He was he was beating on the. The, off- the offensive lineman, Jermaine Johnson, he was beating on the defender's head and the ref didn't even see it. it was yeah, and, and, you know, I, I was watching um, the postgame afterwards and, and Bart Scott made a, a, a great he's – a, he's one of the, the hosts on that. And he, he did make a great point on it. And this is something that Jermaine Johnson has to learn because um, in, in those situations, offensive linemen, they're taught when you're doing that, you bring the – the player towards you, right? Because if you have your hands extended, it's very easy for the referee to see that you're holding, right? So his job there at that point is to bring that defensive lineman to him, which cuts down the ability of the ref to see it. So that's a very veteran play on the on the on the offensive lineman, the chief uh-huh. offensive lineman, whoever right, it was. Right. What what Jermaine Johnson needs to do in that case is he's got to find a way to try and pull himself back if he needs to flop, if he needs to have his hands up and stuff like that. He needs to sell the play. And Bart was saying that's something that comes with experience, Jermaine Johnson being this is only his second year in the league. So clearly inexperience kind of was part of that play. But you know what? The, The back judge was literally five yards away. He was right there. He was was right there. You you gotta throw that flag, man. I mean, there's... Donovan Smith, the Chiefs player that was holding, by the way. There you go. And and so, kudos on him for for really, you know, hiding the fact that he was holding him, because clearly, he had a handful of of things. I I think to this point, Jermaine Johnson is still being held. You could see the jersey move a little bit, yeah. That play. So you know, it, it, in that case, it's frustrating because you know what that that right there could have changed the game. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. we're not talking about the sauce, the sauce holding DPI, right? Because that never happens, you know. But then you go and you now you go and you're 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 talking about sauce also because you know what? It's uh, it, it's one of these things where it's like you know what. This also impacts the game because that was also a third down play. That's also a, a play which clearly it flips the field where the Jets now have the ball. You know what I'm saying? So it's very, very frustrating. And you know, the thing about it is that the Jets never get these type of calls and it's just it continues. And I like the fact, and this is gonna lead into one of what what you guys want to talk about next. I like the fact that Salah lost his head on the sideline because I think that's something that needs to be done on his yeah. part. You know what I'm saying? He needs to vote. And I love the fact that he got a penalty. I'm, yes. I'm all for it. 
Go for you it. Know, you know you what? Know what? Just a quick comparison to that. It's funny because I, you know, going to baseball, I'm a Yankees fan, and I'm also I am actually an Aaron Boone fan. Um, as much as people hate him, but like there's so many similarities between Aaron Boone and Robert Sala. You know, Aaron Boone is a player's coach. He will never throw a single player under the bus. He's always gonna defend them in the media. He'll take every single thing uh on him and on his own versus letting the players take any heat. And he'll go out there and defend his players. He knows he's going to get ejected. He knows that, like, it's not going to be good. But he needs his players to see him, you know, Absolutely. fighting for them. And um, it was really good to see. Like, Robert, I mean, I thought I thought it was going to pop a blood vessel, man. Like, that dude. Bro, let like, me tell you something. Cheeks, the lips, the head, everything just swolled up. My man was pissed. Bro, pissed. I, in the post-game interview, my man was still red like a tomato. Yeah, you gotta do is like he was just and not everybody. He was like, "Yo, what's up?" He was just like, "Go ahead, what? Ask the questions. Go ahead." Yeah, I'm not gonna listen. You can't blame him. You can't blame him. Yeah, you know, absolutely cannot. You absolutely cannot. Yeah, Sal was. Yeah, Sal was fighting mad at the end of that game, which you haven't really seen him get that emotional before, which was good to see because he has been kind of passive. He is very passive generally as a coach for the most part. He's cursing and he's getting into it a little bit, like trying to be friendly with the players. What's up, dog? You know, giving him pounds, doing all that good stuff. But like, it can be pretty passive. And it was good to see him get passionate in that game yesterday. So, that, I mean, that was really, really nice to see. Um, I mean, I guess I want to kind of come back to the O line for a very, very quick second because I want to give them a little bit of a commendation yesterday, whatever kind of combination they came up with uh was something that they was something that was really good that they they put together pretty well yesterday Beckton has to clean up a lot of those penalties even though he's playing really really well at, at the offensive line he is committing what did they say i think he's committed three three penalties in the last four games three holding calls i think were the penalties so the offensive line played great yesterday. It, w- it was a stark contrast to what the Giants were unfortunately dealing with tonight. Yeah, pa- pass pro was not the issue yesterday for the Jets. So no, not at all. But like, kudos to the line for the most part. Kudos to the team for the most part. But we need to get through those four quarters and finally put an entire game together. Real quick, I don't team. know if you guys can see this, but this is ESPN's uh, photoshopped image of Witherspoon. Um, I don't know if you can see very well, but it's Witherspoon in the kitchen cooking. Oh, yeah, I see. Uh, yeah, I can kind of see it. So, uh, so twenty-one in the hot pot. pot. <laughs> <laughs> How can oh, we be with so, that? Sorry, we're talking about that. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was a, a good game by the offensive line. And I do want a quick. I, I want to ask well. you guys a quick question. Um, about the coaching in general. I mean, um, you know, there was a point where it was a 51-yard uh, field goal kick versus going in for fourth and inches. What do you think was, uh, and I don't know if Salah's actually answered this. I didn't get a chance to see the entire post game. Um, but what what do you, first of all, do you think that that was a good decision to go for the kick instead of, like, try to push and get the down, um, uh, the conversion on fourth down? Um, how do you feel about uh, that, that that decision? Because that ultimately, you know, that missed field goal there, I think was key. You know, if you get the fourth and inches, you a couple more drives, a couple more yards, then that field goal kick becomes a little bit easier to make, no? 
Um, I, I will say this, um, and I, I think that was early on in the game, right, where they were still yeah. trying to come back. And the same I, 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 I would have gone. Yeah. I, honestly, I would have, I would have done the exact same thing because you want to put points on the board. It, it would be, in my mind, it would have been, and it's funny because we didn't get the points anyway, right? But I think the way that game was going, if you tried fourth and inches and didn't make it, that would be potentially demoralizing for the team. You want to stack points and say, you know what, we've got, we at least we got points on the board. Let's build off of that. So that, in in my mind, that I think was the right thing to do. Um, because but then wasn't the missed field goal also demoralizing them? No, no, no. I I know, but but there's there's something there's something different about missing a field goal and not making out a fourth and one. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? There, there because fourth and one, you're trying to you're trying to impose your will on the other team, and if you can't do it, then there's a natural letdown to that. With with a a missed field goal, yes, it's demoralizing, but it's a little bit like okay, well, you know, the elements maybe had a had a thing with it. Maybe it was a bad snap. It it's kind of a different feel. You know what I mean? Maybe. Well, I, don't, I don't know if there's a there's a good I, way to explain it. Yeah. But. Well, to to be specific, it was with thirty seconds left in the half. Um, so there was a little time left on the clock there for Mahomes to try to do something. They intercepted it immediately on on like I think. The very next play, actually, at the mm-hmm. end of the half, but it was on the thirty-two, I think, from the thirty-two. Uh, yes, I believe it was from thirty-four. Excuse me, from the thirty-four, fifty-two yard field goal. At that point, you want to try to get three points, I think, because if you miss there and Mahomes gets another field goal, even then, you're you're starting to go down by quite a bit. I mean, you could say. Either way, in that situation, I think you can make the case, I think, a little bit. I think you can make the case you want to be aggressive there, but I don't know. It's it's a tough call. I think you want to try to get the points, and it's Greg Leg. I mean, the, the man can fucking kick field goals. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the reason why he's on Yeah, there. I mean, I, I, I think, personally, and again, you know, it, it's, it's after the fact. It doesn't matter now, obviously. Um, you know, it's it's the 32-yard line. You get the field goal, you give Patrick Mahomes 30 seconds to make something happen. He could have still made something happen. You know, thankfully, you guys got the interception, um, even though you guys didn't get the field goal. But I would have liked to have seen the aggression going into the half of like, you know, because I feel like that sends the message that you're going for it no matter how bad it's going. And if you had gotten that first that, that first down, now you end the quarter. Now you just, you know, you bring the clock all the way down to three seconds and then you kick the field goal a little bit closer anyway. So I just think I, I would have, I, I think that obviously it wasn't consequential anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, it, it wasn't consequential it in was the sense because of the interception. It was consequential. The three points could have made a difference. Right. I, I, what, I mean is, what I mean is, uh, you know, it, it didn't it didn't end up, um, you know, it could have been worse, right? Not scoring the field goal and then Mahomes scoring, getting another field goal. It could have been worse. Um, I think but, you take uh, that chance if you're a little bit closer, given the amount of time that was left on the field, also uh, on the clock. Yeah, you know, you're I, at, almost that extra know. nine yards think, from the you know, 25 the, yard set from a kickoff for a punt almost feels like where you're getting into slightly dangerous territory with Pat Mahomes in 30 seconds. And I know, I guess, if I, you I, get I, the points, I have a lot I get of it, but if you get the field goal, at least you get some points before he gets some more points. And it was 20 to 12 at that point. <laughs> yeah. So there was some yeah. hope, maybe. Yeah. I get your point, though. Well, either yeah. way. Anyway, who, who do you guys got next week? 
I'm kind of checked out of the now. Broncos. You know, I kind of almost don't care about the season anymore. So <laughs> we we've got the Broncos at the oh yeah, that's right. I forgot stadium Sorry. formerly known as Maha Stadium. I think it's Envision Field or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't. I can't. You know, there used to be a time where you could you could just say, "Hey, they're in Buffalo." Oh, that's um, you know, Rich Stadium. Oh, you're down in in Miami. Oh, that's uh, I, I forget what it was. Now with all these, you know, um, corporate, you know, um, deals that they have to like? like Highmark Stadium, Aramark Stadium, you know, hard the Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like it's difficult to, but whatever. They're in. They're going to Denver. In my mind, just gotta win that game. Just, just have to win pretty handily. Where Zach Wilson has to do very well. I mean, this is this is this I is all like Zach Wilson has to have like a spectacular game. I think he has to have a a normal quarterback game, but I believe that the Jets have to win this game. You yeah. Know? It's funny because I almost feel like the Jets are like one week behind uh where the Giants are as far as like what the game's meanings go, right? Because this this game was meaningful, I think. Because it was like everybody's putting Gino over Jones, so it's like Daniel Jones has to win this game. The Giants have to win this game because it's almost a must win because of how the season's been going. But Daniel right. Jones had to win this game, you know, because of you know the comparisons to Gino and who's better and whatnot and so on and so forth. Same thing now with you guys in the Broncos a week later, you know, where like you guys as a team need to win this game, but uh, because of the whole, you know. Exactly. Zach Wilson, uh, Russell Wilson thing, and, and and all that going on. Zach has to win this game too. So, um, it's just this, we, this we, is yeah. Zach's opportunity to shit on Rodney Harrison's uh, comments. That dude know. should be fired. I, I'm telling you, I I, I can't understand how that was. You know, kudos, kudos to Chris Jones for not being baited into that. You know, because that was clearly what he was trying to do. He was trying to get yeah. he was trying to get Chris Jones to say a comment so that he could blow up on social media and whatnot. Yeah, it could you have know? been one thing if like he had said it once, you know, try to bait him once, but Chris Jones defended him and then he went in there and like doubled down on how bad he thinks Zach Wilson is and how much how bad he thinks Chris Jones should think that Zach Wilson. Is. Yeah, like at, at oh. first he he was like, you know Fuck that guy. How you know clearly he's trash, right? That was the first comment. Right. And you saw Chris Jones, he was kind of taken aback at that, right? And then afterwards, he, you know, Chris Jones was making a case, you know, oh, you know, this kid is special. And he was like, wait a second, did you just call Zach Wilson special? Because he's not, you know? And, and the really interesting thing that I find is that Zach Wilson, for some reason, has become the darling of the NFL because you have Chris Jones defending him. Uh, William Gay after the after the the game went up to Zach Wilson and apologized for his comments earlier before. Um, that was the guy that we were spoken we were talking about, right? And I don't know if you've seen this, but Michael Parsons uh, on yeah. his podcast went out of his way to talk about Zach Wilson and how badly he's being treated and how you got to let this kid play and you know he's got some talent you got to let him do his thing so i i find that interesting you know yeah i think um 
This is a must win for the Jets this week. I mean, they have to win because they have Philadelphia coming up after that. Oh, yeah. They have the Giants coming up after that, who might be in a dire situation at that point. It might have, like, really a, a must, must, must win game at that point. And then the Chargers, Vegas, Buffalo, and Miami until we get to Atlanta and maybe get a little bit over. So, yeah, it's looking pretty, pretty rough on the schedule coming up next week. But I think the Jets will pull this out. I hope it's not a rough game. I hope it's a decisive victory. Yeah, uh, we'll see. As far as the Giants go, I mean, y'all, y'all got Miami next week, so it goes. I mean, hey, you know that's that's what, that's what we were saying about the Jets and the Chiefs, right? We we're like, well, if you guys got the Chiefs next week. Maybe we do something. Yeah, well, well, listen, this is a show me game for the, the world, team, right? This is a show me game for the offensive line, a little bit for Daniel Jones. Hopefully, Mark, like, Saquon Barkley will be back and he can give the offense a little boost. But, you know, as 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 bad as the Jets have been, they've had two of the most entertaining primetime games this season so far. So, and we've had two of the of the most unwatchable games this season so Yikes. far. Between the forty and O opener and then this game tonight, those are two of the worst football games, bar none, that I have ever seen. It's like I said, the the Giants right now really have had only really two good quarters of football this year. You know, so it's something that they need to work on. But hopefully they'll they'll do better with Miami. Miami doesn't have a great, great defense, even though all their fans believe that they do. But whatever. Anyway, um I think we'll we'll end it on that note, you know. Um miserable crazy. Monday. Hasn't been great. New York's the New York football season hasn't been great this year, but you know what? Hopefully Things turn around. The writer's strike is over, right? So can we get a new script writer? Yeah, I think we do. And please, no more Swifties. Please, no more Swifties. God, that's so tired. That, that was, that was anyway. just horrendous. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you all for watching the Blue versus Green show. We'll be back next week to discuss what happens in Denver and Miami. And hopefully, it'll be a much funner and happier podcast. Um and this one because we were talking about two losses today. Anyway, again, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button, and until next week, go Jets! Go Giants! Go Giants! Giants. Uh, Later, people. Peace.